You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Air Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are going back to the airport this time, and we are going on a plane ride like no others, where we're actually talking about Airplane from 1980. We're celebrating the 40th anniversary of this fine motion picture that, you know, basically you when you ask somebody, sir... What what is a podcast? A podcast is a thing to listen to, but we don't have time to talk about that right now. So it'll be a lot of fun to talk about, and it'll be cool. And we're going to have people named Shirley on the show, so it'll be you know very interesting to see. And we got a great crew to talk about it, and they'll be joining us in a little bit. But the man who is the autopilot for Transworld Airlines, Mister Mike Gordon, howdy. How are you, my favorite autopilot? Looks like I picked the wrong week to stop podcasting. Exactly. You're back in it already. <laughs> so we It gotta, is an addiction. It is. It is. And it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about this one. We're actually going to be talking about uh, the first movie and the second in tonight. Yeah, we thought we'd throw in the second one as well, uh, just because, uh, you know, I think... I, they're both fun. Uh, the second one has a lot more geeky references in it, I think, uh, for us sci-fi nerds. Uh, so um, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's a, it was a, it's a nice relief from uh, the the woes of today. Exactly. We wanted to brighten everybody's days up, so it should be cool. And just remember, do not eat the fish. That's all we have to say when they tell you on an airplane. Choose choose whatever, but don't eat the fish. That's okay. Eat fish on an airplane. I remember the days when they actually used to serve meals for flights over two hours. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Those were the days where you could smoke, too. That is very true. You know, those tickets that have smoke coming from it, it's awesome. So, we're old. Okay. We are old. On. All right. <laughs> but we, we, definitely would, that. we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. Definitely would like to hear what you guys have to say and where you are saying it. And what did you guys think of these movies? Did you like it? We actually got a piece of feedback um, we'll talk about at the end of the show. And we'll read the email then. But we definitely would love to hear from you guys. And always remember, folks, the show is brought to you by the fine folks at Tifosi Optical. That's right, folks. Very cool Tifosi sunglasses are available to the listeners of the ESO network. And for only $25, you can get a really cool pair of stylish sunglasses. And you know what? You can get make them whatever color you want. They could be red. They could be blue. They could be orange. Any color you want, Tifosi Optical has the sunglasses that you want. But you have to say, Mike, we can't really go out right now because of COVID-19. Well. Tifosi Optics has you covered there too. That's right. They have the blue light glasses available now. And for the same price as a pair of sunglasses, you can get a blue light blocking pair of glasses for $25. And you know what? All If you go in, get as many pair of sunglasses or glasses as you want and 
when you're looking at the using the glasses and you go, these are some great glasses. And you know what? Your friends at ESO have you covered there too. Because if you put in the coupon code ESO network, you get 10% off your order. And it also shows that, you know, hey, this is where we found out about the fine folks at Tifosi Optical. All you have to do is go to tifosioptics.com and send, tell them ESO sent you. Pretty straightforward. Pretty great. Also, folks, got to do a big shout out to our patrons. Our patrons are our lifeblood here on the ESO network. And we've got some great stuff that's coming your way for, you know, bonus material. And, you know, as we like to say, we like to give shout outs to our patrons, give shout outs to the folks who are helping us survive. And there's little ways to say thank you. We are giving you bonus episodes. We are not only giving you the ESO Board Silly podcast, but we also have a new bonus episode of the Flopcast that is available only to patrons of the ESO Network. And they are reviewing the movie Silent Green. That's right. It's a great time for a barbecue because you never know what is in your meat. So it's a lot of fun. And, you know, for as little as 25 cents a week, you can be part of the ESO network too, and help support us. And it's pretty darn awesome for 25 cents a week. You can, you know, listen to podcasts before they come out to the public 48 hours to be exact. And Mr. Mike Gordon, you are going to have a podcast up there very, very soon. Very soon. Yes. As this should be this week. So by the time this goes live, there's a good chance you are going to be able to hear the first episodes of the new legend lounge. It's pretty awesome. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. You know, but we've been hearing that for a couple of years now, so it's okay. <laughs> but you know, I'm really positive he's going to get it up there. And you know what? I think it's pretty darn awesome that Mike Gordon is branching off and doing some great interviews on there. So you get that with Patreon. And you know what? For patrons, also at a certain level, you are going to be able to now get as part of being part of the ESO Network Patreon, starting this week, we are going to be sending out the Geek Seat magnets that are going to be sent out to our patrons, all exclusives. So pretty cool. So you definitely, if as a little bit of a bonus and a thank you for helping support ESO, patrons get rewarded too, as we like to say. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. Finally, all that's out of the way. Whew. That was a mouthful. Well, I'm really happy to say that ESO Network has been growing again, and we have a new show joining us this week. That's right. Let's welcome Dan and Mark in, and they do a little show. It's called The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. Welcome, sirs. Hey, thank you very much yeah, for having it's us. great to be here. Thanks for the welcome. Oh, dude, no problem. Dan is familiar to a lot of you because he's been part of Thunder Talk for quite some time now. So, yeah, I've been around uh, Thunder Talk. Uh, used to uh, partner with Nerd Bliss for a while there. Uh, Mike and Mike, I've done some reporting for the uh, Station One and the Con Report. Yeah, I've done everything I can to get myself in front of your ears. Yep, he wants ears. to be everywhere. everywhere. Dan, Dan wants to be. He wants to wake up with you. Basically, he That's wants right. you from yeah. the moment you wake up to the time you go to bed. I'll make you breakfast. Dan Clink is there. It's pretty awesome. He's not proud. And Mark. Oh, my God. No. Mark. Welcome, welcome Mark, to the Mark network. A, yeah. You were on our uh, scooby oh, yeah. episode. And uh, you dropped so much knowledge <laughs> on that. Uh, I'm glad to see that you're uh, 
you know, you're, you're going to drop a bunch of knowledge with this new podcast. Oh, definitely. Well. You know, like, uh, with the book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, you know, I was, it was based on old newsletters that, you know, were published like from 1992 to 1996, you know, and I went in and I updated a lot of those newsletters with commentary, but uh, there are so many things that I couldn't talk about or write about because I was kind of, you know, the format of the book, you know, talked about those things I talked that I mentioned in the past. And so, with the best Saturday, with the best Saturdays of our lives podcast, it just kind of opens the door to so much more knowledge that's in my head and being able to talk about a lot of those things with Dan. You know, uh, it's, it's just been such a good a good thing because you know when I'm thinking about things in my head is one thing, but when you're actually able to talk to someone who's like minded, you know you kind of discover new things and you get new revelations about topics that you might not have gotten a revelation about because all these things were kind of circling around in your head. So in, in that regard, I think it's just great having, you know, a great podcast partner like Dan to be able to talk about stuff and laugh about mm. stuff and disagree about stuff, you know, uh, and, and, and come up with some new crazy nerd theories. Well, thank so you, how, thank how you. did the two of you meet? I'm just curious. We were at uh, uh, Treklanta. Yeah, Treklanta. Yeah. Uh, Treklanta. Yeah. So cool. um, I had a panel. Uh, it was the Star Trek, the animated series panel. And I talked about how, you know, the creators for the series that came later, you know, took a lot of ideas from the animated series. Um, and, uh, Dan was, you know, in the audience for that and everything that could have gone wrong with this presentation (laughs) went wrong, you know, but like people still enjoy themselves. And what I love about uh, Star Trek conventions is that you're presenting, but it also becomes a great and wonderful discussion about theories and, and, uh, all kinds of Star Trek. So um, it, it's still, even though there were technical issues, everything still really worked out. And I sold a bunch of books and uh, Dan came and I think it was like the last day of the convention, right, Dan? It was like the last 20 minutes of the convention, <laughs> dude. I was, I had slept for like a half hour from the night before and I was kind of stumbling out to take a quick break because I was sort of, I was working the convention. And I damn near fell over as I turned around. I was like, oh, I'm supposed to buy a book from you. That was the first thing I said, because I told myself on Friday night, hey, buy that guy's book. And as you were almost getting ready to pack up, and then I started dropping some cartoon knowledge on you that you'd never heard before about Haim Saban, the Power Rangers guy, about he and another guy producing music for European, European television produced in Japan and then dubbed and thrown on the for you know, kids cable in America. And I just kind of all that at you really quick. And I think your impression was, Oh, well, this guy's on the level. He gets it. Well, especially with that noise you just made. It was awesome. Hey, it's all for radio. It's for the 3d crowd. Cause at other conventions, you know, people will try to troll you, you know, like someone, someone who said he was interested in buying my book. He said to me, um, all right, what was the first, syndicated program ever and i'm like i have no idea 
And he goes, well, it was He-Man and the Master of the Universe. And I said, well, if you would have said first run syndication, I would have understood your question. Yeah, that's right. And it's in my book. And then he just walked away. And I'm just like, what was that all about? You know, so there have been incidents like that. Another good one was uh, I talk about the uh, Fleischer Studios, you know, that made those awesome Superman cartoons from the 1940s. And Popeye, of course, and Betty Boo. And this guy comes in and says, well, you know, those guys, their last name is pronounced Flusher. I said, Flusher? I'm like, no, it's Fleischer. It's always been Fleischer. And I'm like, where's the U? You know, he's talking about it's Flusher. And I'm like, well, what do you do? He goes, well, I'm trying to break into the animation industry. I'm like, well, you just pissed me off because maybe I could have helped you. You know? So that type yeah, well, of what a- trolling. Oh, my gosh. And so, like, meeting Dan was, like, so refreshing. You know, because oh, well, thank he, you, he, dropped, thank he you. dropped some knowledge on me, but it wasn't like, here's what I know, and you might not know this, you know, it wasn't like that at all. So, you know, we clicked, and the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Well, that's awesome, guys. So, so tell everybody real quick about the podcast, and what could they expect to find on each episode? Well, you know, I think you just got a really cool kind of glimpse into one of the dimensions of the show. Mark not only has the knowledge, but a lot of it is firsthand experience in terms of the animation industry. And if you want to know what an insufferable jackass approaching you at a table thinking that you're going to get him a job feels like, what that experience is, he's got those stories in spades. And that's maybe 3% of the entire show. (laughs) Uh, Mark's book is The Nucleus of 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 the show the idea of doing these kind of deep sideways explorations of not you know not just shows but concepts genres you know the backstage politics we you know the programming strategies you get all of that in a show that uh is uh well it's it's one of my favorite podcasts i'll tell you that (laughs) well that's good to know because you know it'd be kind of weird if you know he was on the show and you know, you it wasn't one of your favorites. Well, you know, Thunder Talk I despise, as I do myself, which is where I do some of my best work, also. But well, that's a whole different yeah. story. Well, this is about Mark. 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 What do you? What would you say? Best Saturday's podcast. Yeah, is all it's about? it's a lot of those topics that you mentioned. You know, uh, programming strategy, strategy and trends throughout the decades, the sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties. But like, for example, there's a little blurb in the book that talks about how you know the Smurfs was like this number one Saturday morning show and it took NBC out of the ratings basement. Uh, NBC had been in last place for almost a decade and then the Smurfs came along and bam, all of a sudden they became the number one network. So that's a blurb that I mentioned in my book, but then we do a podcast about why that happened. Like what were the elements or the trends in place for a Smurfs to come around when it did? And and spoiler alert: the whole story is pretty demoralizing and legally ambiguous, and uh, and we try and we butcher a whole lot of French at the same time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, there you go. So it's, it's folks, and you know, it's a great way to find it right there. Torturing the French, it's awesome. <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, we'll go for the low hanging fruit when we have to. But, you know, but we'll also tackle topics like uh, sword and sorcery. And we'll talk about how 
a show like Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle, when that series came out in 1976, it was just like this. It was a, it was sort of a shocker because um, the character designs were really beautiful. The character moved really fluidly, uh, and there was some rotoscoping involved. But it kind of put all the other studios on notice. But Tarzan kind of ushered in the new ratings-driven superhero series, and then pretty much opened the door for your Thundar, the Barbarian, to come in, which Dan and I decided to use as a way to talk about sword and sorcery. So we kind of give like the early origins of the trend, and then we go deeper to like something like sword and sorceries with Thundar, Black Star, He-Man, Shira. We thread it all through to He-Man. And then that to Shira, we take you from like eight different mm-hmm. angles. We'll take you from the merchandising, the the back room, smoke filled rooms where they're cutting the deals down to your, uh, you know, why did it show up on your local affiliate as opposed to a, a network? And what was the time slot? Yeah, we, we hit all of that in a really tight, what, 25, maybe 30 right, minutes? Exactly. Um, Every other week. Every other week, Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, like in, in like one of the episodes, the Sword and Sorcery episode, Dan brought up the fact that um, for uh, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, they kind of, <laughs> this is something I didn't know at the time, that, you know, the, the actual Dungeons and Dragons game, you know, had certain elements. Oh, devil worship, dude, just <laughs> devil worship. That... All those people burned those Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> records. Yeah, right. That was not, yeah. you know, um, included in the animated series. And the animated series did really, really great ratings uh, for CBS's Saturday morning back in the day. And, you know, I think if the internet and Facebook and social media had existed back then, probably fans would have been really upset that a lot of the elements from the actual board game didn't make it into the series. And so we talk about stuff like that too. It was a role play game, awesome. not technically a yeah. board game. <laughs> I know you're going to call me out on that. <laughs> <I know. laughs> well, of course, but you know, that is awesome folks. And where can people find you guys? Um, well, uh, the, uh, we are available on um, SoundCloud and uh, Apple right. Stitcher. Um, probably a bunch yeah, of other yeah, ones. Yeah, I can't. I'm having a brain and... fart, but yes. TBSOL, TBSOL.com or best Saturdays of our lives. And, and where are you now? Oh, where are you now? Yeah, the awesome, fabulous ESO network. That's right. That's right. ESO network, everybody. If you're not listening to ESO, I mean, you might be an a hole. Well, okay. And speaking of being an aho, while Mark was not paying attention, we have actually tied him up, and now he is ready for the geek seat. Oh boy! Oh boy! Here we go. Okay. Mm-hmm. So tonight, the first question in the geek seat, Mister Mark. Since Dan, I hope he warned you a little bit about this. We we actually had a thorough conversation after last night's ESO quarterly mm-hmm. meeting uh, about this. 
We, okay. I told him about the proper oils and unctions he'll need to uh, employ the different ancients and spirits. He'll, yeah, and we went through <laughs> it. I know Dan's still trying to heal from the wounds when he went through it, so it's okay. So, Mark, what was your favorite geek out moment? Uh, I think my favorite geek out moment um, was uh, my family and I got invited to Lou Chimer's house, and he was, you know, one of the producers of He Man and the Messes of the Universe. And, you know, he lived in Tarzana at the time, uh, really dear man and mentor to me, and uh, no longer with us. And it was everything, you know, I felt like I was on an episode of Cribs, you know, it was like this big, fabulous house and uh, everything that you would expect of of a celebrity house or someone who works behind the scenes, what that house would look like. And I was trying to be really super cool and not take a whole bunch of pictures and freak out. Um, so I kind of let my kids take more pictures. You know what I mean? I was just like, yeah, this is cool. Like, I'm used to it. Oh, sure. <laughs> but inside, I was like, because at one point he says, do you want to see the rest of the house? I'm like, yeah, sure. But in my mind, I was like, hell yeah, I want to see the rest of your house, you know? So uh, that was like one of my favorite moments. Oh, dude, that is so awesome. That That's a dream right there. So, But let's look at the flip side of that. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Um, I think uh, one of my, I was, I think it was at my second or third comic book convention. And I met a, a writer um, from DC Comics. And, uh, you know, I was asking him, he was working on Wonder Woman at the time, and I was asking him some questions. And, you know, it was sort of like, why are you bothering me? Why are you asking questions? You know, and then after, like, in back in those days, uh, they actually just would give you, <clears throat> like, a little autograph book for you, just in case you saw these, the stars from DC and Marvel around. After I got his autograph, I decided to ask him some questions. And he's like, looking at me, he's like, look, I signed your book. Why are you bothering me? You know, um, and that was that. And I was like, wow, what an asshole. You know, I thought it was just so disappointing. Um, I don't want to mention who it was. It's a a pretty well-known person that's in the industry that is uh, also not with us. But it was, you know, I was like 13 or 14 years old at the time. And it's like, really, dude, this is this is the attitude you're going to take? I just thought it sucked. Wow. Wow. That's that's always rough when you meet somebody like that, and then it turns into something that's the, what you expect to be a positive turns into a real negative. Right. And such. That really sucks. Sorry and, about that. And, and, you know, everyone's entitled to a bad day. I, I totally get it, you know. Um, but <laughs> I was just a kid. <laughs> You know, play it off a little bit for a kid fan, you know, but anyway. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. What geeks you out the most? I don't know. It'd have to be a tie. Uh, Well, Josie and the Pussycats is the show that kind of pushed me over the cliff from being a regular viewer to actually reading credits and discovering who Joe Ruby and Ken Spears were. You know, they were the head writers for the series as well as the co-creators of Scooby-Doo. Um, and I can geek out about that like you would not believe. And endlessly, endlessly. Un- to the end of time, Mark can geek out about Oh, my gosh. And, and the more 
I watch it <laughs> for more things that I discover about it. You know, it was like the ultimate Hanna-Barbera mashup show. Like there's so much mashup wow. going on in there, you know, in terms of story writing and background music and scoring and, um, you know, like, for example, like the Captain Nemo episode uh, is really a mashup between Captain Nemo and um, a horror movie actor. Um, uh, she was Frankenstein. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff. Well, Boris right, Karloff. Right. Yeah. So he looks and sounds like Boris Karloff, but it's Captain Nemo. So it's almost like Boris Karloff playing Captain Nemo. Uh, so there's like little things like that in there that are really cool. And I I, I feel like Josie and the Pussycats is the greatest Hanna-Barbera show from the 1970s, bar none. Yes, better than the Super Friends. I can say that and I can back it up too, but that's a whole nother podcast. But that's the show that I really geek out about. And, uh, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. Including Josie and the Pussycats in space, right? Uh, including. <laughs> Right. Uh, I, it, it took a minute okay. for me to come around to that one, but after <laughs> after a while, I realized that um, it's a pretty good show. That's awesome. What turns your geek off? I guess I guess it's like going to a convention and uh, people just being uh, rude or uh, unprofessional. You know, including, you know, volunteers at certain well-known <laughs> conventions, you know, volunteers that have the power, or they feel that they have the power. And I will give you an example. I met uh, at DragonCon, there was a, uh, you know, like, I guess what do they call it, the, uh, the alley, the autograph alley, or the, you know, where, where you know, you can pay $50, you know, $60 for a selfie or $40 for a regular autograph. Mm-hmm. Um and the, like a walk of fame. Type yeah, thing. the walk of fame. And I just came from the flash panel and it was really great. And the uh the actor that plays um Flash's wife, um she was on the panel and she was, you know, getting ready right. to take a place to do the autographs and stuff. And I, you know, decided to walk up to her just to have a conversation, you know, to let her know that I like your work. And um, and also ask her about one of the questions that someone posed to her during the panel. And so someone at the panel said they didn't understand why her character could have been dating Barry, uh, who's the Flash, because, you know, they are supposed to be brother and sister and Barry's white and she's black. And she had to explain that. She had to explain that her character, Iris West, is not related to Barry by blood and that they could, in fact, date. And so we laughed about that. And then she said that someone will ask her that question at every convention. And then we laughed about that, you know? And then some Mm -hmm. nice person from (laughs) Greg... God came up to me and said, well, you know, if you're not going to take a selfie or buy a picture, you just can't talk to her. Oh, jeez. They ruined the whole right. mood right I said, there. well, I was done anyway. 
you know, like, what are you really going to do? I don't need you anyway. I was, I was done anyway. What else? I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Oh, gosh. Okay. So I would like to meet, I would love to have met or meet uh, Wonder Woman during the time that she did not have her power. All right, because oh. I think that uh, now that's another one of my favorite storylines. It, it started out great. You know, Denny O'Neill um, wrote the first couple of books and then uh, Mike Stokowski took over. But the, the book had great prompts and I thought it was just kind of interesting. All the human and, and human element parts that. You know, the fact that now she has to worry about paying rent and she can't afford the expensive apartment that she's living in. And you basically moved to like the hood in Gotham City. And uh, so, you know, things were kind of getting interesting with the character. And, you know, I would love to have to meet her to just talk about like what a crazy transition to be like one of the most powerful persons, one of the most powerful people in the world to just being a regular person and, you know, what that transition must have been like. I think that just. Oh, I'm sure. It must have been tough. Yeah, that's great. She had a karate outfit, right? Yep. She had yep. a what? She, she had a, a white jumpsuit, yeah. basically, like a cat, like a cat right. suit. She almost looked more like Emma Peel than one. Well, Mike Sikoski said that was his influence. And she's. Yeah, I, I kind of figured. Slowly, you know, kind of morphed into that character. Right. What fictional character would you not like to meet? Hmm. Let me think. Oh, probably Skeletor, I think. <laughs> Only because. That's awesome. I'll tell you why. I think Skeletor is the show he man. I mean, he has the best lines and he roasts. There's a constant roast fest with him. And, uh, right. No, but it's like Skeletal is one of these, these people, like, or, or one of these friends that everything will be going great after a while. And then maybe one drink too many. And the next thing you know, he's pointing that scepter at you, ready to kind of light you up. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. So I, I think it'll be fine. Yeah. You just got to know when to leave the party with Skeletor. <laughs> well, yeah. Exactly. You know, because he eats up the room yeah. anyway most of the time. So there right, you go. Right. What is your favorite geek word, quote, or pose? Hmm. That's a hard one. Word? I don't, I'm not sure if I have a geek word per se. It could be any of those, though. You dude. know, um, uh, there is an Aquaman cartoon that um, I like, you know, quoting and telling people. Uh, so he takes on, uh, you know, made-for-TV villain called The Brain. And... Uh, yes! <laughs> and so in the first encounter, um, you know, he captures Aqualad and he turns Aqualad against Aquaman and they have this water fight or whatever. But Aquaman never really meets The Brain in person. And he says, oh, Aqualad, who was that guy? And Aqualad says, well, he called himself the brain. And Aquaman says, well, it just goes to prove you can be, you can have a huge brain, but not be very smart. And that's how the episode ends. But it was sort of like a roast. 
as well. Because basically what Aquaman was saying, oh, I'm sure. yeah, he had a big brain, but we still kicked his ass anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> then he met this guy named Pinky, and then they just went over and tried to take over the world on their <laughs> own. It's okay. Oh, cool. I thought that was a passive-aggressive dig at me. But yeah. No. Yeah, no, good answer, nope. Mark. <laughs> what is your ideal geek occupation? Uh, probably the job that I have now. Um, although I would say when I had the boomerang job, that was like the ultimate geek occupation. Because, you know, like boomerang was my baby. And, you know, if I wanted to celebrate Batman's 40th anniversary, um, his animated series from 1968 on Boom. I could compile a stunt and come up with it. And, and that was that, you know, cause there was for a while boomerang wasn't a ratings driven channel. So we were able to play and have fun and, and sort of do whatever we wanted. Um, so, uh, or be able to just pick my favorite episodes. Uh, there's a series called two stupid dogs from the 1990s. It's like one of the last Hanna-Barbera series, but, you know, people like Craig McCracken who created the Powerpuff Girls and uh, um, uh, Seth MacFarlane, you know, will go on to create Family Guy. They all got their start on Two Stupid Dogs. And he had this trilogy, a red, uh, a Little Red Riding Hood trilogy that was sort of based on Star Wars. Um, one of the one of the one of the the middle episode is called, you know, Red Strikes Back for Little Red Riding Hood. And it's, it's the two stupid dogs encounter with this terrible little red riding hood who um, has thick glasses and always leads the dogs into trouble. And uh, so one day, like the way that the episodes was, was sliced up or originally aired, they aired in three different episodes. So one day I decided to air all three, uh, you know, the trilogy together, you know, because I felt it would make a better viewing experience. And um, the guy that created Two Stupid Dogs, a gentleman by the name of Donovan Cook, I um, had to get permission from him to, uh, he had sent me, like when I was doing a newsletter back in the day, he had sent me a signed copy of the Two Stupid Dogs talking about my newsletter. And so I had to get permission from him to use that little, uh, that, that note that he sent me, that personal note in my book. And I told him, I said, you know, one day I put all three of those episodes together and he joked with me and said, oh, okay. So the next time I come to Georgia, I know whose ring I need to kiss. You know, thanks for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking that, that awesome. boomerang job was like, you know, probably the most geeky. It's, it does sound awesome. For anyone who's a cartoon lover, you probably were in heaven. Mm-hmm. So it was awesome. That is cool, dude. What geek occupation would you not like to do? Oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've been thinking about that one all day. And um, hmm. I guess, you know, like when I first started in programming, I used to have people that would answer viewer mail and answer, you know, like, you know, when I was 12, 13 years old, I would call up the networks, ask which of my favorite cartoons were going to be canceled and renewed. And for a long time, someone in that type of position existed at the network. But I don't think it's a job that I would necessarily want to do. Even though yeah. I can probably 
I probably might be good at it, but I think that sometimes people just don't understand how the television business works. You know, like for example, years and years and years ago, we aired a Doctor Strange animated movie and uh, it didn't really do that great for us in the rating. But um, a viewer called, I somehow got my information and called me and we talked about it. And he says, you guys need to hear that again. I'm like, no, we don't. And I explained to him why. And he goes, well, me and all of my friends loved that movie. We thought it was great. We, you know, we can't understand why it did such bad ratings. And I explained to him, well, you and your friends are not the demographic. But that cartoon was meant for 6 to 11-year-olds. They didn't dig it. So Whoa. that's that. Whoa. You know, and so mm-hmm. sometimes people, you know, get upset when you have to <laughs> tell them the business reasons or why they're show isn't going to air again or <laughs> or won't be re- or won't be is... renewed no totally understand that and there's tons of stories about like that i'm right. sure there are plenty but of those i'll be honest with you though sometimes these viewers will tell you things like uh you know you guys aired like uh, a racist cartoon by accident on blah 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 and, uh, you know, so it's like, oh, thanks. I'll make sure that doesn't air again. <laughs> bingo. Bingo, bingo. All right, Mark, are you ready for your final question of the Geek Seat? Yes. All right. Ready for this? What is your ultimate geek fantasy? Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's an easy one. My ultimate geek fantasy will be a superhero that would sort of be like the villain Amazo that kind of stole the Justice League's powers back in the day, except that I wouldn't be crazy mm-hmm. and try to kill people. But to be able to have, you know, all the cool powers, you know, like maybe Superman's strength and and Martian Manhunter's ability to turn invisible or be a shapeshifter, you know, like a superhero that can have a lot of functions and do a lot of things not just be limited to, um, you know, a set of powers, be vulnerable against kryptonite or vulnerable against magic. That would... No, totally understand. Because, you know, like, while you think, like, wow, being Superman would be great, but then being Martian Manhunter would be awesome too, but also being a Flash would be really great. So it's, it's just kind of hard for me to decide which superhero I would like to be. So like a combination of all those things, I guess, would be wonderful. And Amazo, who was the super crazy robot that jacked the Justice League up by taking their powers. Like a hero that uh, someone that had those powers, but they were actually on the good side. No, that is that is awesome. No, that is a great, great fantasy. That is cool. Well, Mr. Mark, you have made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations. I did it. Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network. (laughs) That is great. Congratulations. That's that's what, you know, I've always wanted. You know, to be part of uh, an awesome (laughs) podcast network. 
Thank you. Dude, you guys are most welcome. You know, we were stuck with Dan already, but now he's come up, he's come up in the world by having you part of his uh, circle. So that is balanced it out. I balanced it out. You did. You did. It is cool. So one more time, where can people find you guys? They can find us on the ESO network, uh, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, um, Apple. I always forget Apple. So pretty much all that. Yeah, all that. Anywhere yeah, fine podcasts. Find best Saturdays of our yeah, lives um, dot com or tbsol dot com. Um, Instagram. Uh, That's cool. Twitter. Just type it basically into Google the best Saturdays of right. your life. If you click around bestsaturdaysofourlives.com or tbsool.com, uh, one of the first right. options that comes up is the right. podcast. And you'll find all kinds of uh, stuff there. SoundCloud. I mean, we're just kind of eating. And then on Thunder Talk, because Mark and I, you know, we're also over at the Thunder Talk, a totally different show that's all about some of the same stuff. <laughs> that is awesome, guys. Well, Mark, thank you. Thank you, my friend. Dan, thank you for introducing us to Mark. And let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment, and we are going to be taking an airplane ride. Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment. And last Friday, Taylor Swift surprised the world by dropping an album that nobody expected. Um, she dropped an album last year, um, had her uh, longest track title listing ever, and I think this one comes in at over an hour. Um, all very moody, um, kind of introspective material. The, there's a lyric video for every song, and uh, they... The videos match the uh, mood of the music just perfectly. It's amazing what you can do when you're forced to get creative in a time of pandemic. Um, It's called Folklore, and she says about the title, I was writing my own stories, but also writing about her from the perspective of people I've never met, people I've known, or those I wish I hadn't. And um, one of her muses clearly was a woman named Rebecca Harkness, who was a notorious um, figure on the social scene. Uh, in the 60s, she married the heir to the standard oil fortune and was known for all of her outrageous exploits. And um, Taylor Swift owns her house now uh, in Rhode Island. It's called Holiday House. And when Taylor moved into the uh, into the neighborhood, nobody wanted her there because of the publicity. They said she would ruin everything. And that's exactly what um, people said about Rebecca Harkness and the chorus of the song is I had a marvelous time ruining everything and an, another standout song that's worth checking out is called My Tears Ricochet which as you listen to it you think it's a breakup and then you realize who is speaking and what really happened and it's a little bit of a shocking twist so uh, check that out wherever you stream your music and Taylor Swift Got her album out there, but Katy Perry's not having quite as good of luck. Her album Smile was supposed to come out August 14th. It's been pushed back to August 28th. Um, But she announced on Instagram that every Sunday between now and then, or 
until her baby arrives, whichever comes first. She will go live on Instagram and chat, share some music from the album, and bring some surprises. So if you're a Katy Perry fan, log on Instagram and check it out. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, and we'll catch you next time. What will you do when your child asks? What were Saturday morning cartoons? What were Saturday morning cartoons? What's wrong with you? Or will you handle it the right way? Sit down, baby girl. Let me introduce you to my friend, Mark McRae. Join Dan Clink and I on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast as we take a unique behind-the-scenes look at the history and dynamics of animation with plenty of laughs along the way. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a proud member of the ESO Network. Stand by for the most extraordinary chain of events ever swept up into high adventure. Hey, Larry, where's the forklift? Forklift! Just over there for the baggage water. Airplane. Airplane is drama. Uh, this is Dr. Brody at the Mayo Clinic. There's a passenger on your Chicago flight 209 or a little girl named Lisa Davis en route to Minneapolis. She's scheduled for a heart transplant. I want you to make sure that she's kept in a reclined position and that a continuous watch is kept on her IV. Airplane is action. Airplane is romance. I love you, Elaine. I love you. Airplane is music. There is only one river. There is only one sea. Airplane is dancing. Never has the screen been so big. You ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. Peter Graves. You ever seen a grown man naked? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. Leslie Nielsen. This woman has to be gotten to a hospital. A hospital? What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. Lloyd Bridges. Johnny, what can you make out of this? This? Well, I can make a for a brooch, for a pterodactyl. Robert Stack. All right, Steve, let's face a few facts. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your flight. Julie Haggerty. By the way, is there anyone on board who knows how to fly a plane? Can you fly this plane and land it? Robert Hayes. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. i got to get out of here. Calm down now. Get back to your seat. I'll take care of this. Calm down. Get a hold of your seat. Don't be one of the Everything's been told. The most incredible adventure the screen has ever created. He's coming right at us! The big news is...
place. Hey everyone, welcome back. Now it's time to take to the skies and we are talking about airplane and airplane two for a little bit. Go ahead, Mikey. That's right, Mike. We are definitely talking about the two airplane movies, uh, the first of which celebrates its 40th year, uh, 40th anniversary. That's, wow. Uh, I know. That's insane. Uh, so that's man. 20 years older than Ashley is currently, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> we do have uh, two of our movie quote-unquote experts with us. Uh, Ashley, Hello. Welcome. Thank you for having me back. And Alex. Why was there quotes around the expert part? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll find out. Okay. Uh, we'll find out. Uh, and then we also have with us Gary Mitchell. Gary, it's been too long. It has, uh, but the the rash is cleared up, and I've been cleared for reentry onto the station. Excellent, excellent. Nervous? Uh, that's a good. That's a plus. That okay. is a true plus. Yeah. <laughs> first time. The first time he's not so like. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? What are you doing? Why are you tying me up to this geek seat thing? All right. Uh, this is, uh, man, this could get really insane because now I'm questioning, since I've been watching this movie, I now question every time someone says something and I, and I infer some weird, uh, yeah, double entendre to it. Um, uh, Alex, we usually start with box office reports from you. So how did Airplane 1 do um, 40 so, years ago? So so Airplane 1 did actually very, very well for itself. Uh, its worldwide gross uh, was actually $83,453,539. Now that comes off of a domestic gross of 83, $83,453,000. Five hundred thirty-nine dollars, and they, and they didn't have a uni- They didn't have an international catalog. <laughs> they, uh, uh, it was no international, no international flights. flights. No, <laughs> it was the uh, fourth highest-grossing film it, of nineteen eighty. It, it was, it was, um, and, and again, we're talking about nineteen eighty. This is, you know, eighty-three million right now uh, is fantastic if you're a member of the DCEU. In nineteen eighty, eighty-three million was phenomenal. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the breaking of the 100 million was was few and far between. And it absolutely was not done by an R-rated comedy. No. So. Well, well, uh, yeah, you say that. But number three was stir crazy. So. Yeah, OK. Uh, <laughs> so it was a different. Uh, right. We're bad. And then We're uh, bad. number two, in case <laughs> in case folks were wondering, number two was nine to five. Yeah. And number one, hmm, what was the number one movie in 1980? What could that have possibly dun, been? Dun, Arthur. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yes, which made quite a bit more than uh, four airplanes put together. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> um, so obviously uh, this was a surprise to me when it came out, um, although I was already familiar with the genre that was spoofing. So even though I was not uh, that old when this came out, it's still, uh, I still, you know, recognized what it was making fun of. Uh, and I did see this in the theater. I did see this in the theater. Um, Ashley, what, what, uh, what is your viewing experience with been with airplane? Did you, did this, this isn't your first time. No, I'd actually watched it once before, maybe like high school or college age with a bunch of friends on Netflix. And I just remember 
like the film starting and seeing that airplane tail going through the clouds. And I just about died laughing. So I knew that I was in, it's a great yes, opening. I knew that I was in for a great time from there. And it was even more fun to watch it with friends. And as we all gasped and tried to continue breathing while laughing. So it was fun to revisit it. Sadly, it was just me alone in the basement watching it the second time. So not as quite as much fun as seeing it with friends in these oh, COVID oh. times, but it was still nice to revisit it. And, uh, it's it's a fun movie for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Alex, do you remember the first time you saw Airplane? I yes, because I saw it in theaters as an eight year old. Um, which, by the way, this movie is not made for eight year olds. <laughs> um, no. My this my was, this was before PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah. No, my uh, my 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 mother, bless her heart. Um, I give my father all the credit in the world for all of my movie going. And then I realized that my mother took me to all the movies. Um, my, my mother took myself and uh, my sister and I believe her Girl Scout. Trip, really? Uh, to see this movie. Whoa. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> to go see this movie. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, it's a comedy. Let's go see the funny airplane movie. And um, yeah, I, and that's how I got to see Arthur too. Though I'm thinking about it, but um, yeah, this was one of those ones that you know we kind of walked in. We had no idea of its lineage. We had not heard of the Kentucky Fried movie by this point. Um, and uh, yeah, so I saw this one in theaters, and I remember laughing at the uh, the the Jaws joke at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, and uh, then laughing whenever my family was laughing. And it was a couple of years later when I was suddenly going, that's, that's funny. Okay. <laughs> I was experiencing that just this weekend. Um, uh, that's why that's funny. I get it. Because uh, uh, there's a like, there's a lot of like, I mean, every, every I don't know how many gags are in this movie uh, in the first one, but it's got to be some sort of record. Uh, between verbal gags and visual gags. I mean, it. yeah, I mean, there are, and some of them are double at the same time. Like they're just, it just keeps going. It, keep, it doesn't let you breathe at all. Um, so uh, you could literally die laughing. Yeah. From they, they definitely took uh, the uh, attitude of, even if you don't like this joke, one of the next six <laughs> is going to get you. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah they didn't they were like well let's see we're not really sure we're not gonna we're not gonna cut all our jokes so much as we're just gonna double down and put them all in this and you know what even if uh one fifth of them are funny we've got a hit on our hands (laughs) yeah because if you're laughing over the jokes that don't hit yeah exactly you know um gary what about you what uh do you remember your first airplane experience uh my first airplane experience in an actual plane i was that that's a different story uh no uh, i saw it on cable um we didn't get to go out to the movies that often and uh that year for going to the movies i went to uh when i got to choose i saw i picked the one with the big giant cyborg who chokes people (laughs) gotcha Uh, but i did see it on cable and just there were parts of it like everybody else. Like I knew there was some parts I got the jokes and some I didn't, but it was still funny. And then as you watch it, as you get older, you're like, Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, just, it's got so many great bits. I mean, it works on, you know, I, we just made the comment of, you know, there's six jokes a minute. It's like, they were aimed at everybody. It was a shotgun attitude towards the humor it's like this is a a joke everyone will get this is a joke only niche people will get this is the joke 
that only the parents are going to get and hope that the kid just exactly i think the one that hit me the hardest as a kid was um i think it was in that one was the rocky like 70 poster i think that that was in the second that was the second movie or or that's in the (laughs) second one yeah 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 but i i I don't know if i'd noticed that before uh yeah because it's 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 paramount there's a pun Mm -hmm. intended there uh, that you pay attention to the backgrounds mm-hmm. as well. So this has got a rewatch factor that I don't know if that really existed before 1980. I mean, this was a film that was prime ready for uh, the advent of cable and and VCRs yeah. uh, so that people could rewatch this oh, over God, yeah. and over and over again. And I don't know, uh, uh, you know, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of a movie prior to this that, that depended so much on that, I think. One of the main things uh, I also remember so, is my mother trying desperately to explain to me why Jeff Bridges being in this was so important because she was a huge fan of Sea Hunt. <laughs> Lloyd Bridges. Bridges. Yeah. The dude was not in this. There's, there's a lot of Bridges. <laughs> that you know of. He no. might have been. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike? Uh, for me, I was, what, 13 at this point. So I was right about the same age as you, Mikey. And I did see it in the theater. We actually were down on vacation down in Florida to visit my grandparents. And they wanted to, my parents wanted to get me and my sister out of the, out of the house basically and away from the grandparents. And so they took us to go see this nice little comedy they had heard about called airplane. And it was awesome. And like, you know, being 13, I got a lot of the jokes, loved a lot of the puns. And, you know, from the, the very first, like the Jaws scene at the beginning, but then when the guy was in the, you know, at the airport, hey, do you know where the forklift is? Yeah, it's over there. And the airplane goes right through the windows and everything. It's just, it's just awesome. And it's just not jokes, it's puns, it's visual, but it's also audio you have to listen for the sounds there's one like there's one joke through the whole movie when they're in the airplane that a lot of people miss and everything and you know if you think about it they're flying a jet airplane through the whole thing if you notice the sound is a prop plane the whole time and everything and a lot of people don't realize that and, you know, it's just like, it's so subtle and it's like, you just have to be paying attention to everything to it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just awesome. Yeah. That's because uh, the original movie Zero Hour was a prop plane and Zucker Abrams Zucker wanted to use a prop airplane. And that was one of the notes they got from the studio from Paramount was, no, you can't use a prop plane. Everybody flies in jets now. So they were like, okay, well, we'll just still use that sound effect. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> the, the original plan was actually to shoot Zero Hour shot for shot uh, as a comedy. Uh, and then they kind of, as it developed, um, kind of became its own thing. And I think the only two things that are still from it um, are the fact, uh, the Ted Stryker character, uh, the mention of George Zip, mm-hmm. and uh, the the fish line. We have to find someone you could find that, that could fly this plane who didn't have the fish. It's actually, there is a good chunk of the dialogue is still straight. It's just the way they yeah. played it. I've seen, uh, there's clips on YouTube I've seen of airplane mm-hmm. and zero hour side by side. Right. And it's just right. the and delivery. Is, yeah, and it's the reason why they had to buy the rights uh, to Zero Hour to make the movie. I have never seen Zero Hour. Now it, I wonder yeah, if I've seen good. it in the funny version. <laughs> I, 
I was going to say, now I wonder if I could watch it and not, I mean, just no. not be able to yeah, watch can't. it by yeah. its own, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was familiar with, as Mike said, I was familiar with the airport movies um, and, uh, you know, the disaster movies that were coming out uh, willy-nilly in the late 70s. You know, they could get these... They were like almost every every two years, there was like Airplane 75, Airplane yeah. 77. You know, one time it was a 747 being hit by a small prop plane. The next time it was the, the engines yeah. go out on the Concorde or something like was, that. In a lot of ways, too, this, this movie, because we talked about it a few weeks ago when we talked about it's a mad, 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 mad world. Like this movie kind of is is like this there's a passing of the torch here right it's just like in the same in the same vein get a get a bunch of people together now they didn't get comedians together uh like mm. that one uh these aren't mm-hmm. this isn't f- uh full of comedians it's full of what's amazing is it's full of uh actors that are known for playing straight parts yes and putting them all in a situation where mm-hmm. uh, it's yeah, that was one of the most genius things about it is because I've heard the stories of like when they were doing the movie and Nielsen was starting to show off his comedic chops, but he was like trying to do the lines funny, and they kept telling him, "No, no, the more deadpan you do this, the funnier it is." And that's really what makes it work because you know trying to imagine like true. Robin Williams, for example, as Ted Stryker. No. Yeah. You couldn't do it. No. And and it's funny because, you know, Leslie Nielsen before this was mm-hmm. the big heroic straight man in a lot of like dramas yeah. and yeah, sci fi stuff. He did a lot of the fifties and sixties sci fi. Um that you know, the very heroic yeah, exactly. looking in his jumpsuit. Uh, he was, yeah. you know, Forbidden yeah. Planet, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in a good way. This oh, is right. the movie very that completely so. changed his career. And oh, gave very it a much whole so. New Robert Hayes, the only thing I had seen him in before this was the TV show Angie. I do remember. If that. anyone remembers that, mm-hmm. with Donna Pascoe. And I had never seen him in anything else. I didn't, I wasn't this. familiar with him. I wasn't, I was, certainly wasn't familiar with Julie Haggerty. Well, um, this was her first film. Is it? Yeah. Wow, I guess that's why. Yeah, uh, Sigourney Weaver is, also. Did uh, she only do role. two movies? Because <laughs> I've only seen the I've only seen her in these two. I yeah. think this, the only she, things I've seen her in. She did a movie with Dudley Moore. Uh, I want to say also during that time, and I, for the life of me, cannot think of the movie, and I'm too lazy to look it up. But then you had a lot of veterans, like then you had, yeah. you know, Peter Graves, you had, you know, Lloyd like Bridges, Robert movies? Stack. Exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah. So have you ever seen a grown man naked? You know, it's like, it's just awesome. It is just, there were some, it's like, uh, so great. And I love in the second one, how they really played up the Mission Impossible mm-hmm. part and everything. But, you know, in the first one, it was just awesome. He was the captain and everything. And then you had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who I don't, I've never seen anything mm-hmm. in, you know, other movies before. But it was awesome. And the kid, little kid going, hey, you're Kareem. <laughs> I'm a big fan. But my dad thinks you don't run down the, the court fast You're enough. lazy. <laughs> you're lazy. You tell your dad drags <laughs> on so down the court all night. <laughs> no, son. My name is Roger. <laughs> I love the fact that this movie goes wall, yeah. what fourth right. wall? 
Yeah, there are no walls in this movie at all. There's nothing. There's well, not nothing. After the plane too, went through it. No. There's <laughs> there's nothing too outrageous. Yeah. There's no place they won't go. Yeah. Um. You know, it was. Uh, I know I mentioned this before, but uh, for the sake of this podcast, um, it was the first time I'd seen a topless woman on the big screen. <laughs> so that was uh, me too. <laughs> so that that added to the rewatch value, of course. Um, God bless Cable. Um, and it was and it and it was so out of nowhere. It wasn't like no. there was a scene with you know someone undressing or anything. It was just everyone was panicking on the plane, and all of a sudden there's a pair of boobs. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's like why not? It's like why not exactly? Uh, but yeah, and you know, for for my like you, Mike, I was about hitting the, the early teens, so a lot of this humor, which is uh, you know sexual Benny Hill type humor. Uh, I was just right there for, um, I, I got all of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that is, it's pretty, it's pretty raunchy. I mean, this, this could be, well, it definitely would have been PG 13 if that had existed then. So that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that it, when it aired on TV, they, you know, they had to cut quite a bit. Um, what part did they probably- cut? What part did they cut that you're not happy about? Oh, I don't. Look, I didn't watch it. I don't. I didn't spend time watching stuff on TV because <laughs> I, I didn't like the the way that they were cut. So mm-hmm. I had, uh, you know, I just rented or whatever. But, uh, but this one mm-hmm. was one that was. Uh, this one was uh, a favorite movie of mine from very early on. And when I when I when it was on cable, I recorded it and I rewatched it over and over again. Uh, prior to that, I think before I had, I think before I had a VCR. I recorded the audio off this, uh, like with a with my um, with my like you know little tape player and a little microphone like dangling by the speaker of the TV, and I would I would play the audio of this movie over and over and over again. And Mike, to your point, that's when I could hear like a lot of the audio jokes. Um, uh, I mean, everybody knows about the right away. It trains you right away to pay attention to the audio and stuff in the background too, because right away, like in the first few minutes, that's there's that whole like the white zone, the red zone thing, which is just classic, right? God, that's... <laughs> no, and the between the you just want me to get a portion. Well, it is the smart thing to do. Or you know, Captain Unger, you please get to the white phone. That he picks up the red phone. No, the white phone. <laughs> um, so many good bits. Uh, Ashley, what are what are your some of your uh, favorite moments of the movie, or the, the the humor that you like about it? Oh my gosh! Well, it's hard, of course, to narrow it down. But some of, I really like the interplay of the verbal and visual gags. One of my favorite moments is when you have the two people standing behind the captain, and he's starting to go through the food poisoning symptoms. But they're like standing behind. It's like, oh you'll start to develop a fever and you see him just pouring sweat and it's like, he'll go into convulsions and he's twitching and you like, you just, and then he passes out and you see him go through everything that they're saying behind him. Um, I also like the guitar player who accidentally yanks out the poor girl's IV. It's like, you just feel terrible for laughing, but my gosh, is it funny? (laughs) Like she's just panicking and they're just singing. Um, I love everything deadpan about Leslie Nielsen about how he comes in like three times saying like, um, we're all counting on you. You've got to pull through. And he says it like three different times, just like the repetition of the joke. It's just, it's so good. And 
And I, I love how he's introduced to, because it's like, we're looking for a doctor. So, ma'am, are you a doctor? No, ma'am. But I think the guy next to me is, and he's there wearing stethoscopes. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's just... It's just really great. And I, what somebody said earlier too, like if one joke is not funny to you, literally just wait another second because there will be something else funny. Alex? Um, yeah, there's a, a lot of greatness uh, that's in there. Obviously the, uh, the, the banter, the speed uh, at which the humor hits you. Um, but I, I feel I would be remorse if we weren't talking about the star-making turn of this film. Uh, An actor who seemingly came out of nowhere was not one of the main leads and yet wound up on the cover of People magazine. And of course, I'm talking about Otto, the autopilot. Otto. Of course. Who must have wanted too much money because he's not in the sequel. Not in the sequel. Well, there's some bad blood and all that. There was was an issue on set. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, But no... Yeah, it was an auto yeah. non-compete. Um, <laughs> oh. No, that was uh, the the, wow. the whole thing wow. with, with Otto was just hysterical. When I was old enough to get it, sure, sure. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I just loved everything about that, and the fact that you know, in the end, he wound up getting his own uh, 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 inflatable girlfriend. Uh, which I'm not even going to make a joke about. Uh, I, it's just, it's. I think that's one of the. I think that was one of the easily identifiable char- characteristics of this film, uh, as far as the visual gags go. Um, obviously, uh, I also would be remiss if I didn't point out that I speak jive. Mm. Um, oh God, that would not be able to be missed. No. There's a, there's quite a few jokes. There's a lot. Of, <laughs> that yeah, would not be able a to lot be done. That, that was be. kind of at the top of the list. Uh, I think most <laughs> of the scenes with auto the autopilot also could not be made now. Um, but no, I think if they got the right actress, they could do I speak jive if they made it to rap or something. But it would have to be perfect casting. I don't know. Yeah, the that's fact why that it's it works. Barbara Billingsley is per the, the yeah. fact that it's the it's it's mom, it, it's the Beaver's it's mom. Mrs. Cleaver. Yeah, it's mom. Mrs. Cleaver. Like it, is, oh. it was almost Ozzy Harriet. Yeah, that would have worked. Yeah, or Harriet Nelson. Excuse me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, and she turned it down because of the adult themes. Mm. Um, but I no wow. her. Uh, I think Barbara Billingsley, uh, who for most people, uh, uh, younger listeners would know her as nanny from Jim Henson's Muppet Babies uh, doing that whole scene where she's like talking smack back to them and finishes with Jive Turkey don't want no help. Jive Turkey don't get no help. You know, (laughs) is, is just so funny because it's Barbara Billingsley. It's like, yes, this movie is so filled with stunt casting. Um, yes, and and hers is the one. She's the mm-hmm. freaking evil Knievel of this movie, and she has one scene. That's true. That is. It's awesome. true. Yeah, uh, Gary. What about you? Something in the movie that uh, stands out for you? Uh, well, aside from the I speak jive, which was going to be my first go to. What am I? Oh, that's fine. I figured it was someone had to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> um. I love the running gag of this. I picked a hell of a week to stop yeah. 
Then mm-hmm. the blank. You know, because it starts off with the, the traditional smoking, you know, drinking, smoking, it? and then by the end, sniffing glue. <laughs> yeah, my parents were so pissed about that after for the whole rest of the trip to Florida. Me and my sister, who was three years younger than me, were like, oh, it's really bad time for us to stop eating peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> You know, crap like that. And it was just like, my parents were like, okay, already we saw the movie. (laughs) (laughs) And I've always loved the gag of they're flying on instruments and they cut to the cockpit and they're all playing (laughs) musical instruments. Mm. It is one of the gags I've always loved. I I credit this movie with my love of puns. You're welcome, Deanna. Uh, Yeah. Because it's so amazing to me looking at the like the like watching this now and thinking, man, they went way out of their way for that gag. Like some of these gags aren't easy to film. Mm -hmm. They're not just like wordplay. I mean, they had to like come up with like a lot of stuff just to just to just to make that gag work. Yeah. And we were talking about the stunt casting, getting Robert Mm -hmm. Stack and the character they gave him. Every scene is gold from when we see him get dressed and he steps through the mirror Mm -hmm. to when he gets to the airport and decks everybody that you've ever wanted to hit in an airport. Jerry's (laughs) kids, Jehovah's witness. (laughs) It's like, damn. Scientology. (laughs) (laughs) And then he took off the big sunglasses and he was wearing the small ones underneath. That's just like, it was just awesome. I actually pulled that joke off once. I did. did. Oh, we we went to we awesome. Whitewater and we're getting our season passes. And I set myself up so I had two pairs of sunglasses on and didn't tell any of my friends. So I could not see nice. anything. I'm filling out my, my uh, form as fast as I can. I get down there to, to, to get my photograph. The woman says, you have to take your sunglasses off. And with all of my friends watching, I whipped off the first pair, <laughs> other pair underneath. And she's like, yeah, you need to take those off too. And I'm just like, <laughs> my friends thought it was hysterical. Aww. My friends Aww. loved it. it oh, oh, well, because you have cool I friends. Cool that's friends. the reason. Yeah. This is, uh, so this that's is awesome. why we are sponsored by Tifosi, and- right? Uh, so you could get, uh, exactly. you could get two pairs of Tifosi sunglasses and, and be cool like Robert Stack. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Get small ones and <laughs> exactly. big ones. Optics.com. <laughs> and to this day, anytime if I'm drinking something and I spill, it's like, oh, I have a drinking problem. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things. I almost, I almost did it with my bottle tonight, but I was like, no. Too much electronic equipment. A lot of yes. things stay with you. Uh, Mike, what about you? Oh, my God. For me, it was a lot of the, like everyone's been saying, a lot of the cameos and everything. Because, like, you had David Leisure, Joe Asuzu, as the, one of the Harry Krishnas. That's true. Who yeah. went mm-hmm. on the airplane. You had Jimmy Walker, you know, JJ. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the guy who was checking the oil and cleaning the windshield yep. of the airplane at the beginning. You know, and, and he was, couldn't close the hood. And then he, when he got it, slam, he got up there to slam it shut. He fell off the airplane. The, and the, the thing that makes that even funnier too is if you, if the only thing you know JJ Walker from is Good Times. He was referred to so many times as String Bean, and he was made fun of because he was so thin. You know that he cannot close that hood by himself. There's just no way. Even if he sat no. on it, there's no way it would budge because he's just too small. 
Uh, he's just like this. So, he so is like that. All thing. of that homework is done for you for the movie. Like you, you know, I think it works on that level just by watching the movie. If you don't know it, but if you know like his character and how like Finny is really, then it even makes more. It, it's even funnier. I think he was also in no. Airport uh, Concord. Yes, he was. Mm. Yes, he was. But yeah, it was kind of cool. You also had Joe uh, Joe Whelan, who was later on the Love yep. Boat as Captain Steubing's daughter. Um, you also had, you know, you had you know, different people. You had James Hong as the Chinese general mm-hmm. who did Harry, Harry Carey. And it was just awesome. But I also loved, like, the different news reports and everything that they had for, you know, the newspapers and everything. And, oh, can we take a picture? Sure. And they take the pictures off the walls and everything <laughs> like that. And, of course, as a 13-year-old, when they said the and it hit the fan and it literally did it was just awesome yeah yeah more visual humor um for me uh you know uh auto auto is is a thing into himself but to me the real breakout actor star of this picture is steven stucker like uh, oh yes traffic controller johnny right this guy yeah. in the there's in, a salad pennies third act <laughs> steals the damn movie from everybody around him. Yep. Uh doesn't mm-hmm. take any of this seriously and he's thrown in there. I'd never seen this guy before. To be honest, I'd never seen him. I haven't seen him in anything since, except for the second one. And and yet he this movie is he is hilarious in this movie. It's like and the reaction of course of all of them to him. Uh I think Lloyd Bridges is the one that mm-hmm. has to respond to him the most. Mm-hmm. And he and Lloyd Bridges, man, they're just they're great, you know? Like from the scene where like, what do you make of this? Oh, I can make a brooch, I can make a pterodactyl, you know, like that kind of thing. Or from when he Oh, when he pulled the plug out the, the lights. Out of there. <laughs> just kidding. Oops, just kidding. Just plugs kid. it back in. Uh, you know, and Leon's the thick, getting the larger. F- getting larger. <laughs> the fog is getting thicker, and Leon's getting large. It's just, it's just out of it's nowhere. Ridiculous humor that doesn't. It, it's so. Uh, I don't know if it was improv. It feels improv. Uh, if someone mm-hmm. actually wrote his lines, it it just the way he delivers them, and they must have written him with. Uh, they must have written the lines with him in mind because there's just no way that anybody else could have pulled that off there's one other person who could have pulled it off and he would have been too old for the part and that's paul lynn mm. yes. Um, yeah and, yes and but but and steven gives that vibe um i can tell you that i still use uh i can make a hat or a brooch or a pterodactyl <laughs> yeah. uh that is that is in my weekly <laughs> comments yes. um it's it's just such uh, there's a moment where the tower rapunzel and he leaps across the screen uh he's or auntie m auntie m <laughs> it's a twister it's a twister, <laughs> it's a twister. <laughs> yeah no it's steve steven stucker was was uh brilliant in that and uh his career was far too short he does have an appearance as the uh the station master in trading places which mm. is probably the other really hit but again it's a very tiny role for him and i feel like that's that's a that's a lost uh, that's a lost opportunity. I feel like there should have been more with him because he was just such a genius. You know, what's interesting that when you found out that David Letterman was actually yeah. the initial role for Stryker, yeah. they had written mm. the role originally for Letterman. And it was that's the, an entirely different movie. Oh, God, yes. 
Uh, and I couldn't see him as a romantic no. lead at all. But yeah, I could see him with a drinking problem. <laughs> it, uh, for, regarding Stucker, by the way, it does say here for the uh, for Airplane, uh, the writers gave Stucker straight lines for a scene to let him write his characters off the wall responses. So, so he's that's that's a hundred percent him. Uh, nice. <laughs> just uh, yeah, he has like three roles in the sequel too. I think um, yeah, he shows up all over the place in the second one. Um, I do want to talk about the second one a little bit, uh, because, uh, I rewatched that one. I love the second one as well. Um, I think I, you know, you can argue about the quality, but I, I, the second one to me is full of, I guess, because it takes place in space. There's a lot more geeky, nerdy references, yeah. uh, you know, right off the bat, you know, yeah. whereas the first movie, you've got the great, you know, Jaws reference right off the bat in the third, in the second one, you've got, Battlestar Galactica music, a faux Star Wars crawl, and and uh, and uh, Star Trek. Right, you've got the three references like right mm-hmm. there. Like this is this is what this movie's gonna like target. Right, um, just just great. Uh, I, I I love that. Um, and yeah, I was a fan of the second one from, uh, and I've seen that one almost as much, I think, if not more than the first one. Um, uh, Ashley, what do you think? Of, what do you think of the second one? Well, it's interesting. I was looking up a little about the second one before I watched it, just because I'd never seen it before, and apparently, it was not as well oh. received by critics. But yeah, I thought it was, it was really not. entertaining. Maybe it was reading about some of that beforehand, but I thought it was really funny. Maybe not quite as great of a film as the first one, but there's a lot of really funny gags, especially since, like you mentioned those geek references like the computer from 2001 a space odyssey um the enterprise literally showing up um i had no idea william shatner was going to be in this movie and i just about died when he showed up i thought that was fantastic his entrance is amazing oh my gosh yes like oh, yeah. i i was glad it's one of the yes, best gags. What? We don't have a tower? Why doesn't anyone tell me these things? That was one thing I was really glad I did not know beforehand because that made it even better just being surprised by William Shatner. So I thought it was really entertaining. I liked how they took it even more over the top. I thought, well, they're going to make a second movie. Are they just going to have another airplane disaster? But no, they're going to level up. They're actually going to space. And it's just even more ridiculous. And there's nothing realistic about this at all. And it's funny to see some of the outdated technology. Like you still see old cars driving up to the airport, but yet we've got spaceships living in colonies on the moon. So it's just fantastic. I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, uh, Alex, uh, quick about the, the now the the box office on the second one is is bad. Was, was bad, bad. Right? Yeah, the word you're looking for is bad. Yeah, uh, so um, twenty five million dollars. Uh, <laughs> wow, twenty five million in 1982, two years after Airplane. Um, yeah. this movie um got the reputation of being rushed. Um, after the success of the first one. And I think there are parts where it feels like it. It uh, it doesn't look as realistic, in my opinion. Um, a lot of the a lot of the backdrops look like they're backdrops. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas you know, again, with most of the movie, it's taking place on the shuttle, uh, which is which is great because you know it sets you up and you do get repeats on there um there's a callback uh in, during many callbacks. The, many callbacks 
but there's a, there's a wonderful callback with the um, uh, with the the shaking of the woman in the courtroom mm-hmm. and slapping her, and then there's mm-hmm. a line of people waiting uh, to shake and and slap the person. Yeah. Um, which is uh, prior to that, you also get the callback to the jive. Yep, you do get the jive callback. It's like it's like airplanes' greatest hits. Yeah, it's it's like, hey, remember <laughs> all of this stuff? We're going to put this in here now, so you don't have to worry about it later. Exactly. Um, but yeah, and I, I like the um, I, I like the introduction of the new romantic uh, uh, foil uh, for it, who's who's piloting the uh, the plane before he turns to Jello. Mm-hmm. Literally, um, literally, and. Um, well, he wasn't even piloting. I think he was just an official, just official? on okay. the. Pl- yeah, because it was Peter Graves, and then you had the two other yeah. folks up at the cockpit with, and including uh, Elaine was up there yeah. too. She, she, she was the computer upgrade. operator. Yeah. yeah, she wasn't the uh, flight attendant or stewardess, as they were yeah. calling them back then. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a fun movie. It it worked really well on cable. Um, HBO played the heck out of this. Um, if this wasn't mm-hmm. playing, it was Porky's basically. Um, and, and so, you know, you could still get that same kind of silly gross out humor. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it just, it didn't play a, as well. And I think there's a lot of stuff that you can see in the movie that if you're not just this diehard of the original, when you watch it, you absolutely are like, that's funny. That's consistent. I'm going to remember that stuff. I don't think it's as quotable, but I think it's, uh, I, I think it still holds up at least on its own. Gary, what do you, what do you think about the second one? I remember when I watching it being disappointed as a kid, because I felt like a lot of the j- jokes, <laughs> I didn't understand callbacks as well. And I just thought it was like, I've seen this joke. Why are you telling me this joke again? Mm-hmm. And so I think that was a, also just a lot of people's reaction. Was just also the second time you do a Pratt fall, it's not as funny as the first time. Um, I've come to appreciate it. I love all the new stuff, all the bits with Shatner, all, you know, my, one of my favorites being the, what have we found out? Well, we found out that these lights blink, but these lights cycle. <laughs> like, well, get back to me when you find out what the, the, no, that's a great moment. The, and as we mentioned already, the first time we see him and it turns out that the screen is a window. <laughs> Uh, is perfection. So all that stuff, I, I didn't enjoy the courtroom stuff, the rehash of the first movie. Uh, I did not enjoy that as well. But all the stuff that was new, I liked. Mike? Well, there was a lot more boobs in this one <laughs> than there were in the uh, first one. Because that's right off the bat, because I just watched this the second one right before we went to record tonight. And I was just like going man, I don't remember all these naked people and, you know, women in this or topless women. It was just like, compared to the first one, it was just like, boom, 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 right after. Or it's it's shaking and they showed the woman's breasts going back and forth in the shirt. And of course, it had moral majority across her, her top when they did that, of course. Mm-hmm. And of course, and it's like, and it was just like, for me, you know, I will, for, I didn't go see it at the movies either. I saw that on HBO the first time. And, you know, it, there's things as a geek I love about this movie, but overall it's a lot more stupid than the first one. Mm. Uh, the first one was a lot more intelligent humor. And if you could, if you could call it that, this was just rehash after rehash after rehash. And it just didn't do it for me. I was watching it this evening and I was just like, 
yeah, it's okay, you know, but it was nowhere near as like I was laughing my ass off watching the first one. This one I was not. Well, I think I th- well, a couple things. One, uh, you know, Abrams and Zucker are not have nothing to do with the second one. Uh, well, I say nothing to do, right. but since there's so many callbacks, they should have gotten a writing credit, I think. Um, right. Uh, so it's a whole new team. Um, watching it this time around, I was, a, uh, I was noticing a few things. One is that uh, right away, like the airport stuff, to me, was just as valid and some, some of it even funnier. Like, I love the gag with the two suitcases as dogs uh, uh, going after each other. Love that. Uh, I like the courtroom scene a lot uh, for two reasons. One, I love uh, Raymond Burr. Um, do you know what it's like to laugh like that? Yes. Yes, I do. Yes, like, it's yes we do. so good. I, I, I think about that. For some reason, that line has stuck with me uh, my entire life. And I also love the... Uh, Buddy couldn't handle it. No, Buddy was a bombardier. Andy went to pieces. No, Andy was great. Buddy came unglued. Like you know, like that scene. I just love. It's great wordplay. That's like that's like Abbott and Costello wordplay. That that scene over right Ma- Macho Grande. I'll never be over Macho Grande. Over Macho Grande. And then you put Shatner in there, and of course, you know me being the big uh, Kirk geek that I am. Uh, you know he's great. Uh, you know he. The the movie changes in tone. This is what I noticed when I watched it last uh, this weekend. That the the third act, once Shatner's introduced, it seems like it's it is a little bit weaker because you have so much of Shatner and so little of anything else. It almost mm-hmm. looks like they ran out of the budget and they just said for jokes or whatever, and they just said, "Well, we'll just let Shatner do everything and then do all the heavy lifting, and then we'll just kind of you know coast at home." I'm sure that was part of his contract anyway. So. <laughs> it could have been. I mean, look if, you, if look, if you can afford Chatner, then you have to take the hit on other things. I get that. Um, uh, but I, I think you're right. I, I think the budget wasn't as strong uh, because it's supposed to take place in space. The sets look, you know, even for the 80s, they look pretty weak. Um, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, the special effects are okay. I, I, I was tickled. But I was also bothered by the fact that the soundtrack is pretty much the the music from Battlestar Galactica. Um, I love Battlestar Galactica, and in in the beginning it was kind of funny, but then they kept using the music of Battlestar Galactica, and I was like, "That's just that's just lame." Like you guys don't even have your own music because I think the music in the first one is like the ultimate straight man with everything that's going on that's insane. The music for the first one kind of keeps that like no no people it's it keeps telling you this is dramatic this is dramatic um even if what you're seeing visually uh beyond the music in front of the music like is is insane the music is telling you no no this is this is dire people are in trouble yeah again it's the more straight you play it the funnier it gets did you notice the uh very young pat sajak is one of the newscasters The uh, and Colonel and was it General Burkhofer as the Russian one from Hogan's Heroes? It does seem like there's um, uh, like some wasted cast members and like Airplane, the first one, make use makes use of all their their cast to to a great extent. Whereas the second one has these cameos by people, and some of them work, and most of them 
are just kind of there in the background. Uh, so I think they could have done, you know, if they had maybe, maybe it was rushed. Maybe if you had got the original team on there, maybe if they'd waited a couple of years, they would have had more science fiction to kind of spin off of and, and kind of make fun of. And it could have really been funny that way. Um, you know, it seems like it's prime for a bunch of space 1999 jokes, but there's not really in there because, I don't know. People really cared about Space 1999 by that point, but but I mean, really, the Moon Base and everything—it's right there. <laughs> moon Base Alpha Beta. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's Moon Base Alpha Beta. So you could have—they could have done some. It seemed like there was some missed opportunities. So mm. yeah, I will concede that it's not as strong as the first one, uh, but yet I, I cannot mm-hmm. deny my love for it. It is. Uh, it, it is. It has got scenes and 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 quotes in there that have stuck with me to this day to be to be fair though if we're comparing airplane two to (laughs) airplane right you know i mean there there are movies that i would i would not watch at all given the option of watching airplane two instead um it's one of those things no it's not as good as airplane airplane is phenomenal right all right it's one of the best movies of the 1980s um and and so I, it's 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 weird to say don't compare airplane two to airplane um, because they they have one or two connections, mm-hmm. but um, and you know being a sequel and all, many more than that. Yeah, um, <laughs> and the the main similarity to me is like comparing Jaws two to Jaws. Yes, yeah. Throw back yeah. to that. No, that's a great so. way. Um, I think that yeah, you can tell. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would put Airplane Two much higher than I put Jaws Two. Yeah, but but I I agree with that that concept. Yes, Superman Three as compared to Superman, you know, there, you know, it, when when there's a cash grab going on, and it's an obvious cash yeah. grab, um, your quality is going to go down. That's just how it is. But it doesn't change the <laughs> fact that there are moments in it that are exceedingly funny. I get a thrill every time I see Sonny Bono by the third bomb from the left. Yes. In the convenience store inside the airport. Yep. Yep. Uh, Ultra conservative. That's a, that's a joke that just wouldn't work now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you're throwing a football to him or something. Um, Or asking him to go skiing. Oh, Um, yeah, I went there. I know. Sadly, I went with the Kennedy one that was skiing and playing football, which was wrong. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things. I mean, it's a, it's a fun time in the movies. It's better on a smaller screen. It yeah. is much better on television than I think it was would have been uh, on the big screen. God, I I had forgotten the whole scene where they're at the airport still, and said, "Oh, sorry, you can't bring that dog I'm with sorry, you." Scraps and the, the guy pulls out shot. the guy. Yeah. That's shot. Exactly. Ah, just kidding. Like, it's a boy. Like, Damn. <laughs> uh, one thing I didn't notice until I watched it this time too is uh, I guess I'd never saw it all the way through to the end credits because uh, the fact that they had an ad for uh, uh, Airplane Three said coming soon, and you know, followed by Shatner saying. That's just what they'll expect us to do. Um, you know, it's kind of ironic, actually. I don't know if they actually intended to do a third one, but <laughs> um, uh, I thought that was interesting. We pointed this out a little bit when we talked about uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world. And in this one, definitely, like, these movies can't be made like, th- like in the same way anymore, right? Oh, no, no, no. Um, is that 
a good thing? Do you, I miss these kind of movies. I miss these kind of movies that just say, you know, um, you know, I certainly don't, I don't, um, want to see anything that's terribly offensive, but I also, um, I don't want, I I'm tired of, I don't want movies to play it safe. Right. Fearless. Yeah. I, I, the only thing I keep think, coming back to is that spate of attempted parodies in the nineties, two thousands, like not another teen movie. Those things were or hot terrible. shots or hot shots, but deuce. That still had Zucker's like uh, uh, involvement in that. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. gun did too. But then, yeah. 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 yeah, but but the thing, but the thing is, you, out yeah. of these movies, you did get Naked Gun too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, Naked Gun. Yeah, Police Squad. Exactly. Well, you got Police um, Squad first, and then you got Naked Gun. Top Secret was right. was my favorite. Top Secret's well. wonderful. I, I'll still never forget one. Yeah. Oh, Top Secret's amazing. I'll never forget one time for the anniversary, A and E ran. They did a weekend-long marathon of the police squad. When you realize that's six episodes at half an hour for two days. <laughs> so you can walk away two and a half hours, kind of come back to the same episode. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, you'd have to get the right fearless director and writer. The closest I think anybody has come to it in the recent years at all was um, the Farrelly brothers had that level of fearlessness. I didn't care for their work, I think the but Farrelly I appreciate brothers had it. a lot of stuff that they did with a lot of heart behind it. Um, I think stuck on you mm-hmm. is actually one of the funnier films that I've seen. I would, I would actually go in a different direction than the Farrelly's. I would recommend perhaps a Jed Apatow. Um, yeah. him working with, sure. with people like Seth Rogen and, uh, uh, it was Evan Goldberg, um, doing things like super bad, mm. uh, was a movie that took a lot of risks. Um, and yeah, 40 year old, yeah, 40 year old virgin, also. another one, um, that, that could have yep. just been a disaster. Um, but, but took risks. I think the American pie series when it first started, uh, was another one that was willing to be, funny uh dirty and in some cases gross out uh, but but still maintained uh a sense of heart i think the problem with making a movie like this uh now one is anybody who's doing one is going to see oh it's a parody and parodies right now do not have the flavor because of things like Teen, not another teen movie, epic movie, scary movie, scary movie four, mm. um, things like that. Superhero, superhero movie, movie yeah, you know, crap. all of those, yeah. uh, you know. Um, and if you're obviously not making it to be cheap and quick and just hit the pop culture references, that's the biggest problem is you need somebody to make this film where it's not just we're not going for the cheap easy gag we're going for the long term yes it's stupid but you're gonna laugh when we hit the punchline. and oh look at dumb and dumber mm-hmm. you know that's well, a good and one. again that's yeah. the fairlies so you know yeah, yeah Gary's exactly point. yeah the you have to have yes. a love for the material yeah. mm-hmm. there is it's like i was trying to i'm there's one or two recently i was trying to and it's like I had them on the tip of my brain and they're fading away, but you have to have 
this yeah. the, you're the in other thing the you joke. have to do is you have to get both the Hollywood actors and their agents to be on board. Um, and I don't think that you're going to get, you're, you're going to be able to pull that off. Cause I think a lot of people uh, in Hollywood, as far as themselves take themselves far too seriously to be parroting themselves. Robert Stack, oh, brilliant yeah. in this Lloyd Bridges, wonderful relaunched his career. Cause he wound up doing hot shots as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. I, I think you, you, there are certain actors and maybe it's, you get to a point where you're okay to parody yourself like an Adam West or, uh, or mm-hmm. a William Shatner. Um, but I, the, the big mm-hmm. problem is, is being willing to be made a fool of and not think it's going to hurt your career. I just realized the movie that I was tra- that was like I know it's, mm. I know it it's gonna Galaxy yeah. Quest. Oh yeah, yeah, very much so. I think uh, yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah, yeah. it has to it, be that kind you have of to have the love for it. Yeah, loving yeah. the genre. I you're think also fun of too it. is that, um, and we mentioned this before with the the other movie we were talking about was um, a lot of the humor that's in Airplane and Airplane Two in these movies um, is what's known as dad jokes now. Yeah. And yeah. that does not speak to oh, a God, young, yes. hip di- de- demographic. Yeah. You know, it's going to be, you're not going to be able to sell a studio on like, oh, it's full of dad jokes. It's <laughs> just going to be like, next, you know, like, no, the kids don't want to see that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and this was, you know, I mean, yes, it's raunchy, but in some ways it's, it's kind of, you know, it's got something for everybody. You can take the kids. They're not going to get it. It's going to fly over their heads. Right. Um, for the most part, mm-hmm. um, and and that is a pun. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> you got your appropriate these, these moment are, these of are silence. Dad jokes, people. <laughs> he, he's he, he's writing airplane. These are all they got. Yeah, see, see, uh, you're, you guys are proving my point, really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, actually, the next one should be Airplane 5. Mm. Just skip straight yeah, to it should five. be Airplane, well, that's the year we're here. I mean, it's a Airplane 2020. That's a... That's a <laughs> or just Airplane. Airplane, um, Tokyo Drift. And, and you know, obviously, yeah. you know, disaster movies, that kind of thing, not necessarily a thing now. Uh, you have to be careful, especially with planes and, and, and disaster plane movies. I mean, that that is you yeah that's something that is got to be sensitive about so it's i can understand why this is not something that we're going to see a reboot of with everything else that's been remade and rebooted i can see where this is these movies are just gonna be standalone movies for a long time oh yeah i'm okay with that. very much so i'm okay with that too yeah because mm-hmm. Yeah, because I I saw the trailers for that chicks movie. <laughs> that was yeah. Good point. Good, Good point, point there. Uh, all right. So any last words uh, before we get out of here on Airplane, Airplane 2, the, the, the sequel? Uh, Ashley? Um, just wanted to say one thing that impressed me was how well the movie had aged, particularly the first one. If you're watching it 40 years from now and you're still laughing at the jokes, that's a sign of good comedy. I feel like sometimes a lot of comedy nowadays leans on of the moment pop culture jokes, which is great and really funny. But like if you pick that up and watch it 20 years from now, 
is it still going to be funny? Will people get the reference? I think there's some of that in airplane, but there's enough going on that you can still get the jokes and laugh at what's going on as a part of the film. Alex? Good comedy comes from the heart. Great comedy comes from the heart and mind. Um, these, this film was put together both smartly and with a lot of heart. And the fact that so many people looked at this film and said, no, I don't want to do it. And they're all either in it or they say, it's my greatest regret in Hollywood is that I didn't do this film. Um, Airplane is magnificent. Airplane 2 is fine on its own. Um, but I, I think um, I, I think it I think Airplane is a movie that should be shown in every uh, screenwriting class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I would be out for that, uh, Gary. Uh, I just want to throw out the last one of my last favorite jokes that we can get to is the taxi driver with <laughs> the meter still, still running. I'll give Even, all the way at the end of the movie. He's still just like. He's going to be I'll back. I'll give him 20 more minutes. That's it. <laughs> yeah. One of my first, one of my first after credit scenes too. What do you think about it? Yeah. But yeah, it, it, to echo what everyone else said, sure. Some of the jokes don't hold up, but comedy is the, the genre that ages the most and usually does not age well at all. The fact that this still stands up and we're and just last week, a steel book, version came out for people nice. to pick up for the 40th anniversary which i'll be getting even though i've got the 35th anniversary don't call me surely edition apparently there are surely you must scenes. be joking I need, to, I need to research that because uh the version i have uh the edition i have has has deleted scenes but they're incorporated in the movie so i didn't know that until after i watched the movie and i'm like well yeah. i guess i'll need to rewatch it at some point now to see those deleted scenes so I don't know if they're, yeah. I, don't, darn, I feel bad for you, Mikey. I don't know what they left on the floor, but I'm kind of curious about it. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, there's a reason 40 years later that we still have a drinking. <laughs> Mike? <laughs> for me, it's, you know, this is going to be an ageless movie. This was a movie I was thrilled to be able to show William when he was eight. And, you know, him enjoying it and seeing and liking it at the time and laughing at some of the stuff and so glad a lot of it went over his head at that point. (laughs) So it was, it was awesome, but you know, it, but it was great to see these actors who you've seen in so many serious roles, not taking themselves so seriously. And that was just awesome. And I don't know, you know, it was like, I was thinking about it. I put this up there with almost like blazing saddles with humor that can't be done ever again. And very smart, very intelligent way of looking at a film. And yes, it was a parody, but it was also a fun story on top of it. And I just had fun with it and laughed my ass off on Saturday night watching it again. And, you know, I kept on going, oh, I'm just going to watch it glance up every once in a while, but I'll be on my computer most of the time. But instead I was there glued to it the whole time, looking for anything I hadn't seen before, laughing at all these jokes and, you know, saying, oh, I recognize that person, you know, stuff like that. And that was just what was awesome about it. Yeah, it's definitely a good time. Definitely recommend it. Um, that said, 
I just want to tell you all good luck. We're all counting. And we'll be back uh, after this message to close the show. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about her top picks to watch on Netflix. So I'm continuing my favorite shows that you should check out on different streaming services, and this week, I'm doing Netflix. Now, these are in no particular order. It's just a list of fun shows I liked and would recommend to others. I'm going to start off with The Witcher, the video game slash novel show that follows the story of a traveling witcher who kills monsters for money and the story of his oath to protect a young heir. It's amazingly made, the monsters, when we do see them, look awesome, and the story is interestingly done, being that it has three timelines going on at once, and they all end up merging as the story goes along. It's just a really fun watch, in my opinion. Next up, we have Stranger Things, and now this is a show pretty much everyone has at least heard of by now, It's set in the 80s. The storyline follows a group of young kids as they try to save their world from monsters from the other side while fighting alongside a young girl who has the powers to stop them. So far, we have three seasons and another one on the way at some point. We haven't gotten a release date yet. Next up, Disenchantment. This fun cartoon made by the creators of The Simpsons follows a princess and her very odd friends on their adventures. The stories are funny, the characters are weird, and it's just a really fun show to watch, and it has a really interesting storyline. Next up is Daredevil. Now, this show will always be one of my favorite Marvel Comics TV series. It's so well made. It follows the story of Matthew Murdock, a blind lawyer in Hell's Kitchen who has has powers and fights crime at night as the Daredevil. The show has some pretty amazing fight scenes and is still one of the best Marvel TV shows, in my opinion, that they've made so far. Last up, we have Hemlock Grove. Now, this is an older Netflix show that I absolutely love. It's one of the coolest werewolf stories I've really seen in a while, and the cast is also just fantastic. The first season is still my favorite out of the entire series, but it's a really fun watch, and I would really suggest this for fans of monsters and drama series that don't want horror, but enjoy just drama and monsters altogether. And I'm also going to add two shows that I'm really, really excited to watch on Netflix, The Babysitter's Club and Cursed, which are very, very high on my what to watch next list. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network.
So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Of course, our movie folks, thank you as always, Miss Ashley Pauls. Well, thank you. It is always a pleasure, and talking about some of these classic movies has really brightened up my 2020. So thanks as always for having me back. Oh, it is always great to have you, and anything you want to shout out about? Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, my friend Jay with the Story Geeks. He earlier this year published a novel called The Death of a Bounty Hunter, which I just got a chance to read, and it's a really fun steampunk sci-fi kind of supernatural western and i really enjoyed reading it especially after earlier this year when i did a western blog series going back and watching some classic western movies so it's fun to see people play within the genre and do new things so if you like that kind of thing definitely recommend checking out his book it's available on amazon now that is awesome and of course alex thank you my friend my pleasure i truly enjoyed getting the opportunity to talk about this one this is uh airplanes just one of my favorite comedies Anything you want to shout out about? I just, real quick, because uh, it's silly, it's 80s referenced, and I'm a geek. Um, MattelCreations.com, or MattelCollections.com, right now has available for the very first time the WWE Mr. T action figure. (laughs) Oh, awesome. And, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. And they're about to release a WrestleMania 2 special edition two-pack where he uh, with him and Roddy Piper in the boxing outfits. Oh, so, that is cool. Um, as as a toy fanatic and as a wrestling fan, as an overall '80s nerd, um, it's, it I see all the boxes. It really does click all the boxes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's just kind of awesome. And 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 kudos to everybody over there. Uh, the Mattel gang's doing a great job with that line. That is and awesome. It comes yeah. in a VHS shaped box. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is cool. All right. That is awesome. Okay, Gary, thank you so, so much for having us and being part of tonight. Oh, my pleasure. Um, Look for this to be played on the American Sci-Fi Classics track on Thursday. Uh, The American Sci-Fi Classics track at Dragon Con is going virtual along with the rest of the con. Uh, So we look forward to seeing uh, some of your lovely faces there. Uh, That's up on Facebook, correct? That is correct. Uh, okay. Dragon uh, Facebook groups, uh, Dragon Con American Sci-Fi. If you search for Dragon Con American Sci-Fi Classics, you'll find us. And this is my handle on the Twitters. Uh, yes, Star Trek fans, it is my real name. I have my ID to prove it. Um, and uh, yeah, this was a ball. I love talking about older movies and funny older movies is a bonus. That is awesome. I'm glad you had a good time. And thanks for including us with the virtual Dragon Con. Hey, it's, it's, awesome. it's a tradition to have at least one ESO panel on the classic track. That is very true. A tradition. That a tradition. Too bad we were not going to be able to do Oh Brother, Where Art Thou like we originally planned. Oh, that was, mm. But we'll eventually do it with you guys. Favorite movies. Yeah, we'll get we to will, it. We'll get to it. Maybe net 2021. We'll see. Yeah. We'll do the uh, 21st anniversary of the movie instead. There we go. It's awesome. Good we'll have brothers. two Dragon Cons next year. One for everything we were supposed to do this year. <laughs> Damn straight. That totally makes sense. And, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, thank you as always, my friend. And, as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you're going to shout out about? I do. I got to give a shout out to uh, my good friend and uh, creator, uh, fellow creator, um, Jan Lucanis, who is behind Justice for Hire, 
Um, he, I interviewed him uh, for the second episode of New Legend Lounge, and I just wanted to uh, give him a shout out because last week at San Diego Comic-Con, uh, JFH, <laughs> the Justice for Hire uh, app, went live. It is the first crowdsourced cinematic universe uh, uh, that's uh, being done. Um, it's got a, it, it, there's a, it's, it sounds a little complicated. He's doing something completely new. Um, and I, I'm really excited and, and want to offer him all the support uh, that I can. So, uh, well, there will be a link in the show notes, but go check out JFH or Justice for Hire or Jan Lucanis on social media and you'll find out more about it. But it's a really exciting thing, and I'm really happy for him. That is awesome. That is very cool, especially when you have, know somebody who's succeeding like that. That's pretty cool. That is very cool, Mr. Mike. Uh, my shout-out, real quick, is going out to the folks who put on the virtual San Diego Comic-Con this past weekend. Um, they did virtual panels throughout the weekend, maybe a preview of what we're going to get somewhat with Dragon Con and such. But I think the Dragon Con one are going to be more fun because they're by fans for fans. And the San Diego one was more of the typical celebrity ones with them all sitting up there talking about different projects. I got to see the boys uh, panel, which was awesome. And I got to see Kevin Smith host the Bill and Ted uh, panel which was a lot of fun also. So, you know, there's a couple of different ones that are out there. You could just go up to YouTube and look at San Diego Comic-Con 2020, and they have most of the panels that were at the con up there right now. So it's really worth checking out. Uh, also, I wanted to let you guys know that we are still getting emails from people and folks we got another email from our friend Bill L. That's right. You could write us too, first off, if you want to write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. We definitely would love to hear from you. Bill L. wrote us and said, Dear ESO, I love that you're discussing It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. I actually saw it in the theater when I was still in early elementary school. So far back, I can't recall which year it was. Of course, it was the year it was released. My whole family went to see it. Maybe my dad's parents were there too. At the time, I didn't get much more than the slapstick parts. I remember the two gas station attendants, and I think my grandfather was there so excited to see them. I first saw Buddy Hackett for the first time in that movie. I may I have also recognized Stan Freeberg because one of my favorite albums was Stan Freeberg Presents the United States of America. If you ever decide to review comedy albums, he does a, a send-up for several moments of U.S. history and takes on McCarthyism at the time when it was really risky to do. Freeberg was in the was on the album art, a photo of him in a suit carrying a briefcase shaped like the continental U.S., I also saw those magnificent men in their flying machines in the theater that year also that was Mad, 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 Mad World was released. The connection with the aircraft in Mad, 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 Mad World is obvious, and I may have recognized that even back then. I'd love to see a remake of that movie, but with a much more diverse cast. Maybe international money and casting would make it possible. A good straight white male to include maybe Nicolas Cage, especially if we could have the core cast of National Treasure franchise, either being the straights in contrast to the comedians or parodying themselves. 
In other news, I did see 1776 movie on TV and loved the song when the woman sings about her missing guy and molasses to rum to slaves, which we could do with playing on the air these days as it shows slavery wasn't just business in the South. Oops, gotta go. Stay safe, Bill L. Thank you, Bill. We do appreciate it. and We love you, Bill L. We love getting emails. And like I said earlier, please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. We definitely would love to hear from our listeners. And Bill is one of our patrons also. So thank you for everything you do for us. So it's pretty darn awesome. We're going to be continuing our classic summer movie look next weekend. And we are doing Strangers on a Train. It should be a lot of fun to do. It's an Alfred Hitchcock movie, and it actually even inspired Throw Mama from the Train many years later. So it you should be a lot. You lied to of, me, Wang. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a cousin. Bam. I love that scene. But yeah, it's awesome. So definitely going to be a lot of fun to talk about next week. Until then, my name is Mike Faber on behalf of myself, Mr. Mike Gordon, Gary Mitchell. Ashley Pauls, and of course, Alex Autry. We will see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Stay safe, folks, please, and be well. Peace, and we're done. Boom. And don't call me Shirley. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.